Welcome to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. At Village, we seek to be shaped by the life of Christ, to practice authentic friendship, and serve the world. You're invited to join us at either our Mission Campus or our Antioch Campus. For now, we hope you hear a word for your own life in this sermon. So our scripture passage today comes from the first chapter of Mark's gospel. We'll be reading verses 16 through 20. Uh, I have preached from this passage so many times. You know this is a passage I, I want us to know. So as we come to it again, let us first join together in prayer. Gracious God, because you are God, it is your word and your word alone that is life for us. Because you are gracious. We trust that you will speak to us even in these moments, O God. We are here. We are listening. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. Now listen for God's word for us. As Jesus passed along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you fish for people. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, who were in their boat mending the nets. Immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Amen. So a few weeks ago, we visited with these guys, Peter, Andrew, James, and John. Jesus came along and invited them to a road trip, and they dropped everything and went with him. It wasn't just because they were obedient. Now, if I understand these guys, they had a hunger in them for a better life. So when Jesus says, come along, I can show you a better life, well, uh, they, they dropped everything and went with him. I uh, invited you to think about what you want for your own life, for the world. Uh, maybe you've thought some about that. So we're with these guys again because they have more to teach us. We're talking about road trip because faith is a, is a journey. It's a it's a road trip of its own sort. In the movie Dallas Buyers Club, it's about Ron Woodruff. He's a reckless man and he's dying of AIDS. And in one of the few lines in the movie that's not laced with profanity, he says, this is my life, but I wish it were someone else's. Who doesn't wish for a better life now and then? a life that is new, a life that has more meaning. There's a fear we have that we're going to turn into Willie Loman of the, of the death of a salesman, do you remember? Sort of a wash of mediocrity and self-doubt. I, I get that. When it comes to self-doubt, I have my own eternal internal second guesser, I do. It's the search for an authentic life that puts us on the road. We want to find a real life. You know, when we're young, uh, that 
authentic life is a big life. We we want to make a difference. We we want to change the world. We want to have Instagram followers we've never heard of. When I was a kid, which was before Instagram, just for the record, I dreamed of being a preacher. I had all kind of preachers in my family. I dreamed of being a preacher, and I would practice my task even as a kid. One day my dad came home, heard me preaching in the backyard, I guess to the family pets, I don't know. After the benediction, he said, So, Tom, are you pretending to be your dad? <laughs> Honest to goodness, I looked at him and I said, You? I'm Billy Graham, man. <laughs> if you're going to dream, dream big. But somewhere along the way, we set those dreams down, if we're fortunate. If we're fortunate, we fail to become that rock star or that movie star or that sports god. If we're fortunate, really, our stars shine in lesser skies and we begin to look for a life that is less defined by its size and more defined by its depth, by its meaning. And it's that that puts us on the road. When I was in seminary, I read a little bit of the philosophy of Martin Heidegger. I read more than I understood and I've forgotten most of what I understood. But anybody who reads Heidegger knows that he was terrified of his life being lost in the crowd. He worried that to be real, we can't be absorbed in the masses, in the culture, that, that a real life is set over against the, the, the masses, the crowds. You, you, you can't just live your life walking in ruts that have been dug by those who have gone before you. You've got to march to the beat of your own drummer. That, that hunger is real and it's deep. It's also risky. On the road, when you're out here marching to the beat of your own drummer, it's hard to tell if you're authentic or if you're just alone. When Jesus invited his followers to come with him, it wasn't an individual ask. He, they followed him together. Because the thing that Jesus knows is that the real authentic life is defined by love. And love only lives in relationship. It only exists in friendship, in companion, in community. That's what makes the real life authentic. So for the Christian road trip, it's something we do together. The real road trip in the Christian life, it's, it's always taken with a buddy. Hey, I gotta pull over up here. Hey, Roger. Hey, what are you doing? I'm going up here for a better life. Want to come? Well, sure. Hey, hey come on. Can I drive? Can you try? Yeah, I'm, I'm a good driver. <laughs> you can't drive. Get in the car. Get in the car. Can I drive? You just my name. And you know. You know, we live in a culture so committed to individualism, to marching to the beat of your own drummer. It seems the world is filled with one-man bands. 
and we're lonely. You know, one of the consequences of 2020 is that this loneliness that is already so common in our culture is exacerbated because our normal ways of being connected to one another have been taken away so often. And we're lonely. But you know, in an odd way, this COVID 2020 may have some gifts for us, at least lessons to be learned. And one of the lessons is haven't we learned anew how much we need each other? Haven't we learned anew how important it is to be in community? Marina Keegan, she, she was killed in an automobile accident just a few weeks after she graduated from Yale University. This was several years ago. She was a writer, among other things, and she authored an essay that was published posthumously. And in that essay, she said this. She said, we don't, we don't have the word that is the opposite of lonely, but if we did, I would say that's what I want for my life. She's right. We don't really have that word. And she's right. That's what we all want for our lives. And if I understand our faith, I think the central practice of Christian faith is to be devoted to relationship, to be committed to holy friendship, to, to practice the art of human connection, to realize that the authentic life, with apologies to Heidegger, is not a life we find on our own and independent, but the real human life is only known in relationship. This is the truth. We, we are, we are defined by who we love and how we love them. You know, those early followers of Jesus, they discovered something pretty quickly. They couldn't follow him without physically bumping into all the other people who were following him. It was the point that following Jesus Christ is something we do together. It only happens together. And one of the realities that's displayed in neon colors in 2020 is this, this pursuit to define ourselves over against another. I'm not you. I'm not them. It's political. It's economic. It always has been. It's religious at times. It's racial. I'm not you. I'm not them. This is bigger than just where we stand on issues. We are, we are watching, we are watching the commitment to the common good erode. We're watching our shared communion dissolve because it seems that so many can only imagine being their authentic self. If they have no responsibility to another, they have no commitment to the common good, no sense that we are in this together. Now, the jury is out on whether that's America or not, but it's not gospel. No wonder 
No wonder there's so much hatred in the atmosphere. No, no wonder there's so much loneliness in our culture. This is our world now. And that means, that means it's all the more important that we stay committed to the holy practice of friendship, of relationship, of, of loving the neighbor, of being a friend who can be trusted, of living a life devoted to the common good. That's an important work now. Marina Keegan said, we, we don't have the word that is the opposite of lonely. But she describes the opposite of lonely, and it's a, she describes it as a feeling in her, in her own existence, in her feeling in her marrow, and I think she's exactly right. You, you know what that feeling is like to belong and know you are part of something, but it's more than a, a feeling. It's a practice. It's a devotion to relationship. She said, we don't have the word that is the opposite of lonely, but if I had to pick a word, I'd pick church. Because when we get it right, and Lord knows we don't always get it right, but when we get it right, in church we remember we are in this together. No one is alone. There is a devotion to the common good. Let me make this simple. Somebody needs you today. I don't, I don't know who, but think about it. You do. Somebody needs you today, and, and you have a chance to, to be there, to commit to relationship, to compassion, to kindness, even justice. Now, we may not be able to change our culture. We may not be able to overcome the voices that tell us every day that we're on our own, that we're not in it together, that, that we have to shed ourselves of any kind of obligation to the common good, that the real life is unencumbered by any kind of commitment like that. We may not be able to change that in our culture. That ship may have sailed. But we can't let our culture change us. Even, even in this lonely, hate-filled, divided world, we can practice a commitment to relationship, a, a devotion to the common good. We can be that people. And then just wait and see what God is able to do with that. Pray with me. Gracious God, we believe. Help our unbelief. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. And you know where I think you missed a turnoff back there. First you got to drive, now you're Mr. Navigator all of a sudden. Look, it's my trip. I know where I'm going. Well, you know, with all affection, buddy, I also want to say, you know, the 70s are over. I think you need to get a haircut. Oh, that's where you're going. Get a haircut. Okay, thank you. Thank you for that.
Thank you for listening to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. Learn more about us at villagepres.org. And we invite you to join us again next week.